Good afternoon, church. How are you guys doing? Um, we're going to be looking at the Word of God with me this morning. Uh, as I was preparing this Word, I was challenged by this Word, and I, I hope it will challenge you as well. Uh, as Paul says, uh, said in Philippians 3.13, he said, I, I forget what is behind and I strain forward. So we're always in the process of straining forward to know the Lord more. So uh, as Pastor Z said, we will leave different than where we came in. Amen. Let me read Lamentations chapter 4, 1 and 2, and we'll go into the word. Lamentations chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says, how the gold has lost its luster. The fine gold became dull. The sacred gems are scattered at every street corners. How the precious children of Zion, once worth their weight in gold, are now considered as pots of clay, the work of a potter's hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your awesome love. Heavenly Father, as I speak the word today, Heavenly Father, give me utterance so that I may be able to speak as you guide me, Lord. And I pray for open hearts and open ears. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, near Mescal Square, there is a, uh, uh, a memorial for the victims of the Red Terror during the time of the Communists. Uh, also, in the recently uh, constructed uh, Unity Park inside the National Palace, uh, the room that they used to uh, use as torture chambers have now been converted into a memorial, a museum. Uh, so we, we ask, what is the purpose of these memorials? It is for us to remember, to mourn, and to learn. Uh, so. The Book of Lamentations is one of many uh, memorials in the Bible. Uh, so uh, when we find parts of scriptures that are filled with lamentations, we struggle how to connect with these types of scriptures. As you know, one third of the Book of Psalms are lamentations. David is constantly uh, uh, bringing his struggles before the Lord. We as a church have been taught, on the other hand, that it is wrong to complain. It is wrong to grumble. That is the sin and the folly of the children of Israel as they came out of the land of Egypt. Uh, many of them grumbled at Moses. Many of them grumbled at God. And as we know in the story, that was their pitfall and they were not able to go into the promised land. So what purpose does have lamentations have in our walk with God? So today I want to talk about the purpose of lament in our Christian walk. How do we do it in a biblical way? And what is the purpose? What is the end purpose? And what are the benefits? Uh, so we don't lament just in vain, but we lament with a purpose. Uh, just as, in, uh, as an introduction, this uh, scripture I read depicts the overwhelming story of Jerusalem's death and destruction in 587 BC. Uh, so this is where the Temple of Solomon was uh, ruined and destroyed and everything was reduced to rubbles. So the gold was there in the ruins. It was still there, but it was in the ruins. 
So let me start by talking about what a biblical lament looks like. Lament in its uh, essence means to cry, but true biblical lament goes beyond just crying. Uh, it's a prayerful cry. It is where we, uh, its purpose is to instill trust in God. It is where we come to God with our fears and our concerns and uh, uh, what's heavy in our heart and bring it before God in trust of God. Lament is a prayer language that is given for the children of God. Uh, so in his sovereign care, how do we bring our laments to the Lord? I will use an example of Psalms chapter 13. It's a short uh, chapter with six verses, but it shows us how David laments in that section. Verse 1, Psalms chapter 13, verse 1 says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? What is David doing here? He is choosing to bring his lamentations before the Lord. Most of us might prefer to go to a coffee shop and talk about our issues and the problems and the issues. And we talk about them and we say, oh, it's just too much. And then we leave it at that. But true lamentations chooses to bring it before the Lord. Amen. Continuing on verse 2, David says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Note that this is not a sinful rehearsing of sins or it's not a sinful expression of anger. But David here is bringing his concern before the Lord. He is honestly identifying his pain and his questions and his frustrations. He's not complaining about them to somebody else, but he's honestly bringing it before the Lord. He continues on in verse 3 and 4. He says, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice in, in my fall. Seeking God in times of trouble is an act of faith. It requires faith. Usually when we experience sorrow, especially elongated forms of sorrow, we tend to go in one or two sides. Either we go into despair and we say, you know, there's no hope. I give up. There's no point in praying about this. I just give up. Or we might go to the other side and go into denial. And we say, everything is okay. Everything is fine. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything. We just close our ears off. But true biblical lament does not go into despair or does not go into denial. But Lament invites us to dare to hope in God's promises. We can dare to come to Him knowing that He's sovereign and bring our concerns before Him. How He ends this chapter is beautiful. In verses 5 and 6, He declares, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for He has been good to me. 
So a crucial element of true biblical lament is choosing to trust God. It is choosing to have faith in God. It is renewing our commitment to trust in God as we pass through this broken world. Amen, amen, amen. Christians lament because they know that God is sovereign and God is good. We serve a sovereign God, we serve a good God. In that place, we are planted in his promises and we trust in his ability to deliver us. Because we know that the tomb is empty. We know that Jesus is alive. Lament prayers take faith. They require faith. So bringing your issue before the Lord rather than going to despair requires faith. Where we bring the bringing our struggles to him over and over again requires us to be planted in the Lord. Planted in the word of the Lord. So uh, instead of running from him, we choose to turn to him. Especially in today's uh, day and age where we are surrounded by so many challenges both in the church and in the nation uh, We should not give up hope or going to denounce but lament a true prayerful Biblical lament is a way where we can go to God and gain the strength that we need to move forward Gain the strength that we need to be salt and light in the nation. Amen so if, uh, I've said this about what a biblical lament looks like. Let me go back to my scripture, Lamentations 4. Uh, here it says, How the gold has lost its luster, the fine gold became dull. How the precious children of Zion, once worth their weight in gold, are now considered as pots of clay, the work of a potter's hands. So Jerusalem is now in a deplorable situation. The once glorious children of Zion that lived a lavish lifestyle are now in ruins. The priests are no longer ministering in their courts. The holy fire of the altar is burnt. Sacrifices are not being offered. The priests, the precious sons of Zion, the worshippers in the temple, degraded by sinful idolatry, are no, nowhere to be found. They're now regarded as contempt and they're deemed as clay pots and they're cast away. What does this show us? I, I said that lament is a memorial. It helps us to remember, to mourn and to learn. So this verse displays the severity of sin and the seriousness of the holiness of God. We live in a day and age now where we as a body of Christ, as the church, as individual Christians, our witness before the world has been watered down, where our, our holiness has been watered down. Uh, we see sin, uh, and, and, that, and, and our name is tainted for good reason, because we are in the corruption, we are in the theft, we are in all sorts of sin. And everybody talks about the Lord being accepting and forgiving, and that's what we tend to dwell at. Yes, true. But we also need to remember that it is that God is holy. If it was not for the cross of Christ, and if Christ was not the in-between coming before the holiness of God in us, we would not be able to come before him. It is 
the work of Christ that allows us to come before him in that way. But we need to understand and appreciate the holiness of God and take that as a warning. We see the destruction. Uh, the, the, the people of Israel sinned in for many years, but the fall came finally when they crossed the red line. So it's a sobering reminder for us that uh, God is holy and he sees sin as a serious thing. So if, so if I've said this much about the situation at that time, uh, let me talk, talk about the gold. So the city's in ruins, there are piles of rubbles, so much destruction, but underneath the rubble of the temple lies the gold. The gold is still there. Gold in its nature does not rust or does not erode. It may lose its luster, it may lose its shine. Sometimes when we have gold and it loses its shine, we take it back to the uh, goldsmith and they wash it for us, right? In that same way, the gold there is still gold. It will not erode. We, as children of God, have been given our identity, not by our own works, but by the finished work of Christ. Our identity is given to us by the finished work of Christ and the eternal love of God. So in God's estimation, we are not nothing. In God's estimation, we are those who have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. We are ones who are redeemed and set aside. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God has called us. He has named us. What, what else does scripture say about us? Scripture tells us that we are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, that we are joined heirs with the only begotten son of God. Amen? We possess the rich blessings of grace. Our riches are in heaven. Our pleasures arise from unseen eternal realities. Our pleasures don't come from earthly things, but unseen eternal realities that we, no one can take away from us. We have a more splendid nobility than any king can give us. We are children of God. Most of all, we are children of God. In Luke 10, when uh, uh, Jesus sent the disciples two by two, they came back excited and they said, that even the demons obey us. And Jesus said in verse 20, Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That is our biggest, uh, our biggest point of rejoice, that our names are written in the book of life. Amen? So knowing our worth, knowing what has been done for us, allows us to walk with our heads raised high. We cannot be responsible to everything that's going around us. But when we know where we are, we can walk with our heads lifted high. We are the righteousness of God. We are the redeemed of the Lord. 
uh, our testimony may be tainted, but the word still works. The word is still true. The gospel still saves. The gospel still changes lives. God is still at work. I was really blessed by the messages we were hearing the last few weeks. God is still at work. God is still saving. We were just talking and we were just hearing a testimony about somebody who got saved recently. God is still at work. Because whatever the situation is, the word is true and the word works. Amen. 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 I was uh, really blessed by the, by the last song that the worship team was singing. You know, they, they were saying, uh, if I remember, the mountains are still moving. Uh, the strongholds are, are still being uh, loosed. Uh, they were saying, uh, the dead is still rising. You know? God is still at work. He is working. And... and we're saying, oh, we're asking God to move, asking God to move. God is ready to move. The question is, are you? Are you willing to move with God? Are you willing to work with God? Are you willing to lift your head up high and work with Him? Understanding holiness allows us to lament well and to uh, learn and grow to walk in holiness. But that doesn't mean that we step back from doing the work that God has called us. Uh, in 1 Peter 2.9, after he said, Royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. He said, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That is our calling. That is what we have been called to. Amen. Let me talk a little bit about uh, God's value system. Much like Jerusalem prior to the exile, the children of Zion were enjoying their luxurious life and their security. When difficult situations arise, we have a tendency to run to our security. We want to make sure we're safe and we want to do things that kind of... Uh, uh, give us that security and usually we turn to material positions because uh, we feel that they give us some security uh, in the culture that we're living in when everything is unstable the culture pushes us to find security but what does the word tell us seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you it is a reverse system we don't seek after them. They seek us when we seek righteousness and the kingdom. Amen? 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, In all this greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to have suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Walking in the system of the world is easy. When we have problems and obstacles, paying a bribe to get things done is easy. The system of the world is easy. But standing in justice and righteousness has a cost. We have to pay a cost. We have to fight that battle in order to be the voice 
of justice and righteousness. But at the end, I love what 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says. It results in praise, glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. Amen? So it may be costly, but it has a reward. Let me share one uh, news I heard this week and come to my conclusion of my message. This, this week, the verdict of the trial of the assassination of Thomas Sankara was revealed 34 years after his death. Uh, the now in exile former president of Burkina Faso, who ruled Burkina Faso for 27 years, conspired with the French government to have him killed. And those documents were released in 2017 and uh, the verdict was given last week. Thomas Sankara was an African patriot. He said, we, we, he rejected foreign aid. He says, we need to be in equal standing with our French counterparts. He was pushing for change. And in the last speech that he gave before his assassination, he said, we must choose between champagne for the few or clean drinking water for many. And then he was assassinated. And this week when they announced the verdict, that when the court announced the verdict, a lot of young people took to the streets to celebrate that verdict. But most of these young people were not even born when Thomas Sankara was killed. Why are they out there rejoicing about someone they don't even know about? That's why are they moved this much? It's because when you pay a price for justice and righteousness, it may cost you a price, but it goes a long way. It's generational. It makes a difference. The word that the Lord has given us as a church is Isaiah 40 verse 4 where it says, Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. We are called, we are given a mandate to level the playing field. To fight for those who don't have a voice. To stand in for justice and righteousness. So let me give you two homeworks and conclude my message. First, I want you to practice writing your own lament. Use any of these uh, lamentful uh, psalms found in, uh, in the Psalms of David and write your own lament about what is heavy in your heart. Uh, maybe if, uh, you know, using the biblical structure that we talked about today, maybe if you're willing, you can share it with your home care. Second assignment I'll give you is to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to show you a gap that you can fill. Uh, when we see a gap, usually what glows is the gap. But if we pray before the Holy Spirit, He always shows us how to fill that gap. We are called to fill that gap and to be a solution where, uh, where one is needed. So there are, though there are challenges that we face today, there's an opportunity for us to fill that gap and get a platform to share the word of the Lord, to preach the good news, to show them that who we are in Christ. So when we lament, we don't lament in vain, but we lament with a purpose to gain strength from God 
so that we can be salt and light in a dark world. God bless you.